Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Like what Missy Toy said, it's personal. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, my your praise is personal. <laughs> your praise is always personal. Uh, there were ten lepers. Amen. There were ten lepers, and there was a woman that was in a immoral lifestyle. And they were the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day in two different situations. And the first, Jesus was in the house of the uh, religious leader of the day, and Jesus walked into the man's house. He didn't give him any water to wash his hands or his feet. But this woman, who was a woman of an immoral lifestyle, she met Jesus, she began to wash his feet with her tears and with her hair because it was personal. <laughs> it was personal. Amen. When he can release you from the bondage of sin. Amen. She, they knew it kept, it was being preached that it, they was calling his name Jesus because he can release you from the bondage of sin. That's why they named him Jesus. Amen. Because he can deliver you from your past. Come on now. He can deliver you from all your mistakes, all the bad decisions and bad choices you made, all the dysfunction that is in your life. In one moment of time, he erased it in this woman's life. Amen. And she began to wash his feet with her hair and with her tears because it was personal. But the Pharisees and the religious leaders were looking on, they thought that is extreme. They thought that was extreme that someone would use their hair and use their tears to clean the master's feet. He said, the reason why he said, because, you know, when I came into your house, you showed me no honor, you showed me no consideration, no hospitality, but her sins were many. Come on now. Her sins were many, and because you think yours are least, you love a little. Amen. But her sins are many, and she recognized that, and so her honor and her worship went beyond you. Amen. If somebody's praising beyond you, amen, praise God, that's because it's personal to them, and you don't know what Jesus did for them. You don't know where their mind has come from come out of the gutter, come out of suicidal thinking, come out of depression, and now who the Son says free is free indeed. I said indeed they are free. So they are praising God uncontrollably. Somebody else may have had something on their body and they know the medication couldn't get it off. The doctor's wisdom couldn't get it off. But oh, when the master stepped in the room, amen, with healing in his wings, and deliver them. And that's the reason why they're here today. That's why they're praising him. 
They're not stuck in their past. The Lord has set them free. Somebody may have had a financial situation and it just came back to them. I'd have been still stuck in there, but Jesus made a way out of no way. Excuse me if my praise excels yours today. Excuse me if my shout excels yours today. Excuse me if I want to move my feet today because he bore the cross for me. He took my shame. He took my guilt. He took my sin. He took my poverty. He took my sickness and disease. And I'm free this morning. And my shackles are off. And the Bible said, release my shackles and I can praise you. Excuse me, you just looking at somebody that has been sanctified, set free, delivered, prospered, blessed. And I know I didn't take myself there by myself. It wasn't nothing but Jesus. And if it wasn't nothing but Jesus that got you here, you may want to take a praise break right now. Because it's personal. Excuse me, Pastor, thank you for giving me a chance for personal praise. There's a time for corporate praise. The Bible said, let everything that have breath. There's a time for corporate praise. Let all the people praise thee, O Lord. It's a time for corporate praise. But every now and then, come on now, I had a special case. <laughs> I had a special case, Amen. And it's going to, David said, I got a special case. You don't understand. I'm supposed to be dead right now. I had the king of Israel tracing me, chasing me all over the nation, having armies pursuing me. But God delivered me out of the wilderness, out of caves, out of heathen lands, and have made me the head of the nation. And I may be the only one he lifted up, but I'm willing to give him a radical praise this morning. If I got to take off my coat because it's restricted me, I will praise him like nobody else. It's personal. <laughs> yes, it is. It's personal. I love that song, Lord, we worship you. What is worship? Worship turns you in to what you worship. So you could have changed this morning. <laughs> you could have you went to another dimension of glory. Come on now. Because whatever you worship, that's what you become. Worship is what you give your time to. Worship is what you put your eyes on. Worship is what you listen to. Worship is what you let get in your heart. Worship is what you let come out of your mouth. Worship is transformation. Amen. And God's plan is you and I could be conformed to the image of his son. Every time you say hallelujah, you look more like him. Every time you say, Lord, we worship him, you look more like him. Every time you look in his word, you look more like him. Every time you're around people that look like him, you look like him. Amen. Worship is a time to look like him. Amen. You may want to worship him right now. I mean, right here, right now. 
you may want to lift your hands and say, Father, I worship you. I bless you. I praise you because it's changing me. It's changing things around me. My praise will steal the enemy and the avenger and let the glory of God begin to change my situation till I look just like him. I walk like him. I act like him. I do what he would do while he's doing it. I'm praising you because the change is in motion. Yeah! Glory to God. All the time. Yes, he is. We got a testimony this morning. <laughs> you know, sometimes people, they text me, it's trouble when they text me. But that's okay, Jesus will come. But Miss Gina texts us this morning. But not you, Miss Gina, on the hotline. She said, everybody, is that what you said? Everybody, my son, her son's in the military, and he's, he's overseas, right? And she said, everybody in his company or group, in his platoon or battalion, whatever it is, I don't know how many it was. She said, they all got COVID except for my son. See, see, see somebody like that will come with a, with a personal praise. They'll mess with you. Because see, it didn't happen for you like it happened for her. So she ain't got to praise him like you praised him this morning. She can raise her leg if you want to. Because a thousand can fall at this side and 10,000 over here. But it shall not, it shall not, it shall not. No, it shall not. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of testimony I like. So they got everybody. <laughs> you know why? It's personal. Yes, it is. It's personal. Yes, it is. It's personal. But we're going to take you somewhere today. We already going. If you listen to Brother Caleb, he said, he said we already going. He said it can happen in an instant of time. But how did he say it was going to happen? It can happen immediately, but what was your part in it? Good. Tell them. Renewal of the mind. Yeah, that is. If you can change your head, you can change your life. Yes, you can. This, this acceleration is tied to changing your head. I got excited. Praise God. I said, boy, there it is right there. He didn't even know what I was preaching on. I said, Pastor Cynthia, look at that. There it is. There it is. Praise God. That's it right there. That is the message that God wants release this morning. Are you changing? Amen. I want you to turn with me in, uh, in your Bible. And I'll give you a verse of scripture here in just a minute because we got several of them we could go to. 
And I want you to go to Colossians. That's where we're going to go first. Amen. I said this is the year of celebration, and I've been meditating on God. How do we get there? Amen. And Jesus came preaching acceleration. God only does things in acceleration. Why is God doing things in acceleration? Why is he doing things at a faster pace than he's ever done it? Because acceleration is to execute redemption. And redemption means to put things back where they belong. And where you belong is not to look like you, but to look like who? Who? That's right. It's to look like Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Your neighbor ain't going to like this, but tell him, look at your neighbor and say, I'm tired of you looking like you. I'm tired of you looking like you. Some days up, some days down, some days depressed, <laughs> some days sad. I'm tired of you looking like you. <laughs> Tired of you frowning. I'm tired of you always upset with the news at six and ten. I'm tired of it. Amen. <laughs> Somehow the believer believes it's okay to be them. It's not okay to be you. Just be yourself. Well, that's what's wrong now. It's not, the will, it's not the will of God to be what you call yourself because you are a collection of your own beliefs. Amen. You are a collection of your own beliefs. If you grew up in a house where there was not a lot of money, you believe in poverty. You believe you grew up in a house where there was a lot of illness. You believe in sickness and disease. You grew up in a house where there's a lot of sadness and a lot of tragedy. That's affected you. And it started before you start thinking right now. A mom was a early childhood educator with a master's degree with 45 hours plus in children development. Early childhood development. And in early childhood development, they said by the time you are five, your belief systems and behaviors are already set. So don't be looking at me like you've grown right now. Because somebody got you a long time. Your belief system's been set a long time ago because the devil does not care. The devil does not care how young you are when he attacks. <clears throat> the 
That's why there is a lot of dysfunction in people before they even get to teenage, adolescent, or adult stage. They have a lot of history at five years old. And some of it is not good. Some of it's not. I remember being in the family dollar store. And this grandmother told this child because she asked for a toy, <clears throat> you're never going to have nothing in life. Your mama don't have anything in life. And you're not either. Guess where the mama learned it from? Guess where the granddaughter is learning it now? God surrounds young people with images that are not Christ-like. And so as they begin to press through life, they begin to accept images and likeness that do not look like God. Now, we started out in Genesis chapter 1 last week or Wednesday night. We found out that God's plan is to create man in his image and his likeness. He don't want you like Mike. He wants you like Jesus. And one of the greatest peer pressures among young people is to fit into a group especially when you get into adolescence and teenage years. It takes you from different traumas of childhood and youth, watching marriages in the home that don't make it as a child. Then you get grown enough where you can just walk somewhere and drive somewhere, but you're just driving to another group. That's all you're going. You just, go, you just drive into another image that don't look like Jesus. Then it gets real personal in the teenage years. The shoes you put on are typically influenced by somebody else. Say, you don't have these kind of shoes on, so you don't fit in. As a matter of fact, if you go to school and you wear those shoes, there'll be somebody anointed by the devil <laughs> to tell you you're not keeping up with the times, my brother. Those went out of style a long time ago. They will talk about the way you wear your hair. They'll talk about your clothes. They'll talk about your shirt. And it'll be somebody that think they in style. Tell them where they got that stuff from. Shop lifted it. Mama lifted it. You never know. But if they lifted it, it was enough pressure on them to keep up with the times. And it's okay to be confused about image and likeness because it was lost for over 4,000 years. Lost for over 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus. Is over 4,000 years. And the image of God was lost in humanity. It's lost. It takes time to teach you 
that you can't succeed. It takes time to teach you that you're not going to be successful. It takes time to take hope out of people and expectation. It takes time to beat down the human spirit. Even if it's not connected to God, it takes time. It takes time to do it. But that's all the devil does, is take time to work in man's life to make sure he doesn't look like Jesus in this generation. And as I begin to study on change and acceleration, you say, Keith, I'm accelerating redemption, but redemption is putting things back where they belong. So I'm not, it's not just enough for a man to have his name on the rolls of heaven, and when he dies, he goes to heaven. He said, that's not exactly, that's not the fullness of what I'm after. The fullness of what I'm after is that he is supposed to look like me because I am his father. Ultimately, I am his father because I am the creator of his spirit. All your natural father gave you is what he had in the natural. You may look like him. You may walk like him. You may even think like him. But once you get born again, the Bible says you are born again. So confused Nicodemus, he said, can a man go into his mother's womb a second time? His mama answered that, no. <laughs> Jesus didn't even have to answer it. And his mama said, no, <laughs> no way. But he was not thinking about a natural birth because Nicodemus was only thinking the only way you can exist and the only form you can exist out of is being born of a man's seed. It's the only way you can get on this planet because that's all he ever seen. He never saw something God created called the son of God he had never seen that before he had never seen that before and Jesus was introducing and really explaining how he got here Jesus did not have a biological father don't you get upset because your daddy didn't raise you and you don't know who your daddy is just be thankful that you are here because I got a new message for you don't you let your lineage and where your family tree came from. It may be loaded with fruits, flakes, and nuts. But there's a new tree. Come on now, there's a new tree. Come on now. There's a new, there's a new tree that you got grafted into. Come on now, God is going to do a new thing. Amen. Old things can pass away. Come on now. All things are passed away. If there was a poverty mentality there, it's passed away. If there was a history of poverty, it passed away. If it was a history of mental illness, it passed away. If it was a history of immorality, it's passed away. If there was a history of addiction, it passed away. Jesus took the curse so that what's in your family tree can't get on you. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. He's a new, he's something that has never existed before. So most people live this life and they live and die. They never get introduced to them. They never get in introduced to who they are. So God, 
He spoke to me. He says, Keith, I want people that are in my family. I want them to look like Jesus. He's the standard. And even in the church when I was growing up, they would put Jesus in one category and put everybody else in another category because they were looking at their behavior. They can see how Jesus lived without seeing. And then they keep looking at themselves. So they begin to call themselves sinners saved by grace. Sinner is not I did something wrong. Sinner is not I stole something. Well, you can steal something by accident. And I know because I did it this week. I was in the store. And <laughs> TMI, she said it's too much information. <laughs> and I, I accidentally put this, you know how you chug, plug your phone charge in the wall. I was gathering stuff and I had things in my hand and I wasn't even thinking and I stuck this phone charger in my pocket. Well, I, 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 just, I, I didn't even know what happened. It was, it was unconscious. I got money to pay for it. I'm not a shoplifter. I don't got money to pay for it. And I paid for the other stuff and walked out of the store. And then I got to the, my office at church and I started going through my pockets. And I said, this charge is in my pocket. Still wrapped up with everything I looked at. I said, did I pay for that? No. <laughs> Boy, I said, I can be good at that. No, no, I can't. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, I said, I went back down to the store. I went back down to the store and I, I bought two more and I swiped three of them. I swiped it three times and bought two. I want to get things right. Amen. Come on now. You want to get things right. You start wanting to do things right. The nature of God in you will start doing things right. You don't be talking about, I got over. <laughs> No! <laughs> you don't want to get to heaven and you don't repent it over everything else and God said, what about that phone charger? <laughs> I'm not getting in over the phone charger. <laughs> Prepare for the devil and his angels over a phone charger. <laughs> Boy, that's why I like 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Come on now, Jesus does a full cleaning job on you. Come on now. Because see, he is without sin. He is perfection. The Bible says he that knew no sin became sin for us. Amen. That we may be made the righteousness of God, which means that as righteous as he is, God cleans you up. So he wants your image to look like his. Come on now. The Bible said by one sacrifice, he put away sin forever so that you wouldn't have to have a bad image of yourself even if you made a mistake. That's why the Bible said every day examine yourself 
forgive me of my trespasses. Amen. Forgive me of my trespasses and forgive those that trespass against. God don't want you just cleaning you up. Clean folk up around you. Amen. So I said in this acceleration, he said, I want to accelerate things to you. But the most important thing I want to accelerate is how you think. I want to accelerate your thinking because he quoted the verse this morning. I think it's over in Proverbs 23, 17. Let's turn there first. Come on now. So you will know what the Bible says about thinking. You know, you can drive in the wrong lane in uh, Proverbs 23, 17. You can drive a car in the wrong lane. It's a lot of people died driving on the interstate in the wrong lane. Well, thinking is the same way. Wrong thinking is like driving a car on the wrong side of the street. It can kill you. Now God recreated us in his image and likeness, but my mind has got to catch up with my new creation. And Caleb said it can happen instantly. It can happen, it can happen suddenly. It can happen right now. And he's right. But it's got to happen in your head first. Because whatever you see in your head, it's over. Whatever you see in your intellect and in your consciousness, once you see what has already been done in the realm of the spirit, once your mind sees it, it's over. That's how you get your healing. It's already in your spirit. But your mind has got to catch up with the truth that is already in the word. And your mind has got to be persuaded that the word is true. And once your mind is fully persuaded, then the power of God goes into manifestation to bring to pass whatever you're thinking. So this principle goes throughout the word. Look what it says right here in Proverbs 23, verse, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Which means you can't escape what's in you. If you think you're going broke, then the provisions God has for you will not manifest in your life because you have not agreed with the image he put on the inside of you. You haven't agreed with him yet. You haven't agreed with, with who he made you. If you think tomorrow is not promised to you, even though God says with a long life will I satisfy you, if you think corona can get on you, amen, even though he says it shall not come nigh you, then you disagree with him and you're calling him. You're saying the word is not true. So the image God has about me and you of how he wants sickness and off of us, we don't agree with it. 
and it can affect you while you're trying to believe it and everybody around you don't. Because impartations come all the time. They come from everybody and they come all the time. And the reason why they're coming because there's a battle over who you're going to be. There's a battle on what kind of image you're going to carry. That's why Jesus told the religious leaders of the day, you of your father the devil. Because you got murder. You got murder. You got injustice all inside of you. And, and you're trying to look clean. And that's who the devil is. He's trying to look right while he's wrong. And the Bible said you got to be even concerned about those that appear as an angel of light, but they're really dark. Every shout ain't holy. Amen. Because Jesus said you can honor me with your lips, but it ain't really in you. You just did this for right now. Ten minutes from now, you're going to be giving somebody a piece of your mind. Ten minutes from now, you're going to be kicking it. Someplace you ain't got no business kicking it. In the corner, in the booth, in the dog. That's the real you. Amen. And there's going to have to be a mind change to get you to quit going that direction. Because what's getting you down that road is how you think. I got to do it this way. The devil's got me convinced I got to do it this way or I'm not going to get it. I got to do it wrong or I'm not gonna, it's not going to be fulfilled in my life. You got to realize that God has a plan for my life. He said it's a good plan. It's a full plan. It's to be blessed in every possible way you can be blessed. And if it's good and wholesome, then God wants it in my life. I just got to do it his way. An image determines how you do things. Bible said if a man doesn't like himself, he won't even treat his wife right. And it's an image problem. It's not something she's doing. It's something that happened to him when he was a little boy. Some rejection he went through. Some he didn't get. A father image that wasn't imparted to him. That's why that behavior is that way. And until the mind is renewed, you cannot change. As he thinketh, that's who he is. It's all about putting an image in somebody and then turning them loose and then they go live that. And the sad thing is I get confident in being wrong. Yeah, I'm preaching real good. I'm confident in how I'm living. I can tell somebody why I'm, why I'm right. Now you locked into crazy. It's called a reprobate mind. It can get in there after a period of time. It's a hardness of heart where I choose to live this way because I think it's bringing me some satisfaction. Now, when you come to Jesus, you got to say, you got to open your heart, Father, whatever you have for me. Whatever you want, Jesus, whatever you want me to be, whatever you call me to do, I, I'm open to what you want. And Christianity doesn't start until I'm ready to surrender all. That's why when you go to Billy Graham's meeting, they would say, ah, surrender all. 
I surrender my attitude. I surrender this hard way of thinking. I accept the reality that I really know nothing about life. I'm a collection of this world psychology. I'm a collection of its attitudes. I'm a collection of its culture and mentality. And I've never really seen Jesus. I'm just a collection of religion somebody pushed my way. I've never seen his power. I've never seen his glory. I've never stood in his presence. I really don't know him. I'm good with religion, but I don't know the Lord. We have to humble ourselves and we have to humble ourselves and, and say, Father, your way. Not my will, but if Jesus had to say it, then I'm going to have to say it. You may have to give up a relationship you in because it's, it's causing you to have the wrong image. It's causing you not to project Christ, but it's projecting the world. You don't look like him. You don't think like him. You don't talk like him because your group don't. I want to walk away from some groups. I had to walk and you will too to know God. The Bible said come out from among them. God said, I won't even walk among you till you come out of there. That's what he said. So in Corinthians, come out from among him and be separate, said the Lord. And then I'll receive you and you'll be my sons and my daughters and you'll take on my nature and my image and I'll walk among you. Oh, wait till God starts walking among the church. It'll be like it was in the days of Jesus when he walked down the street and his presence just healed people as he was going because God was with him. Blind eyes was open because God was in, because the image of God opens blind eyes. The image of God heals the paralytic. The image of God opens the mouth of the deaf. The, 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 the image of God unplugs ears that cannot hear. The image of God can even raise the dead. God's trying to put an unstoppable image on the inside of you. But you got you to gotta submit your mind, I'm going to change. Let me help you. It'll be the greatest self-crucifixion you ever do in life is to change the way you think. The first change was in the blinking of an eye. God put out your unregenerated spirit when you made Jesus the Lord of your life and he put his image on the inside of you. People still didn't think right. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. God says, I want to accelerate your thinking so I can accelerate your year. I want to accelerate your thinking so I can put everything in your life. I believe sinking the kingdom first is changing the way you think first. We, as I was going through this study, every child of God is rich. Every child of God is loaded. Yes, it is. I mean loaded. Every one of them. So Caleb just, in his exhortation, he said it. God had for the children of Israel houses they didn't build and vineyards they didn't plant. Land where the silver and the gold was good. Land of great vegetation and productivity. And some of them never saw it because they couldn't change the way they think. People get challenged with 
uncompromising thinking about divine healing. They get challenged with it. They ask, does healing really work? That's somebody that ain't settled in it yet. That's a mind that's not settled. That's a mind that still thinks it's another way to lose, even while you're in the presence of God. There's a mind that thinks even though a child of God is rich and everything God has belonged to him, and everything Jesus has belongs to him, they can still see themselves running out of money. So they're afraid to honor God with the time. It's fear that if I do it God's way, it won't work. You got some mind renewing today. Some mind still believe that I can trust God and believe God for healing and still die. Something wrong with your thinking. No. We just sang the song this morning. He never falls short of his word. So if he never falling short, why are we thinking short? Because our mouth and our heart are not aligned. It's not aligned. So I got to recognize there's a disalignment and I have to be committed to change. The first word that came out of Jesus' mouth when he preached the gospel was not let's get saved, not let's go to heaven, not let's get your name written in the Lamb's book of life, not just let's get healed, not let's get blessed, not let's get rich. It was let's change. Let's change so we can get our money. Let's change so we can get our healing. Let's change the way we think so I can stop disliking my brother and sister in Christ. Let's change the way we think about people that are in the family of God. Let's do a lot of changing. Amen. Let's just accelerate change. That's how I got on this. God said, I want change. Accelerate it. He's not talking about, he's talking, Jesus is not talking about, when he's talking about repentance, he's not talking about being sorry. You, oh, oh, I've been living so dirty. He's not talking about that. That is not repentance. It's remorse. Repentance don't mean I'm sorry I got caught. Repentance doesn't mean let me come to the altar and then cry for 30 minutes. The Lord ought to be satisfied with all them tears. You can repent and never shed a tear. Repentance is changing the way you think so that your thoughts are his thoughts and your ways are his ways. And so he says in order for them if they can't see it, they can't be it. So what does he do? He sends his son 
He sends the image of God in his son to the earth so you can see what God is like. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Bible calls him the man Jesus, which means man has the ability and the calling to be like God. But mind renewal has been at a snail's pace. Mind renewal in the church is at a snail's pace. Because all you got to do, the only thing that can renew your mind is the word of God. So you have to determine how much time are you exposed to the word. Because you're going to be exposed to images and words because you're on the planet. Brother Jerry said it's all day. So that means the devil does not cease nor go on break, call time out to build images in people. Why does a person choose to make a living in a dishonest way? Because I don't believe I can make one in an honest way. Where I come from, this is what you got to do if you're going to make it. That's a mindset. And once I'm totally concrete set in it, I'll never change it. The only way it can change is the Bible said that the Holy Spirit was, has been sent to the, to the planet to convict the world of sin. To convict them that what you are doing is not God. God has a bigger and a better plan for your life. If you let him into your heart, he will bring the image back to you. But you'll have to renew your mind. You ought to be in Colossians chapter 3 by now. Let's read that. It says right here, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And set your affections, or your mind, the word affection means, verse 2, on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life? So who is my life? So what life should I be living? I should be living a life that looks like him because Christ is. We just sang this morning. God is my all and all. God is the source. My source. Everything I get comes from him. So when your job get ready to lay off, you don't see yourself going broke. You just start saying, God is the sword. Why are you packing yourself up at your desk? God is the sword and the strength of my life. He moves all pain, misery and strife. He promised to live, never to leave me. Never to leave and come short of his word. I got the fast and 
<laughs> you don't walk out there. What are we going to do? You don't call home. Babe, you better get a job. We going under. When pressure's on, we know who you really are. We know what image is really in you. Amen. Image will come out of you. <laughs> Be careful. Beware. Because image will come out of you. The real one will come out. Soon as you think the coast is clear, it'll come out of you. Let me put my stuff back. I'm gonna be here for a few more minutes. About 15 more minutes. I'm gonna preach longer than that. Oh, oh. God says I got to accelerate, putting things back where they're supposed to be. The Bible says the whole plan. The whole planet is waiting on the manifestation of the, of the image. The image, the image is something that functions. The image is animated. The image lives. I'm waiting on the image. I'm not waiting on you saying who you are. I'm waiting on you being who you are. I'm not waiting on you saying you blessed. I'm waiting on seeing the blessing. I like what Jesse Duplantis said. How many people, I wouldn't even ask that because I won't embarrass nobody. But, you, but I might do that one day. If you're a tither, you're a tither, you're not supposed to have any room, any storage room left to receive. You're not supposed to have any room left. You're supposed to walk in there tomorrow and pay off the church note. Amen. There's not supposed to be any room to receive. Come on now. Oh, I got to do this in 15 minutes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He says here, set your mind. Come on now, look at verse 2. See, somebody got me some water and they set it on the table. So they set my water on the table. Is that good? I just preached to you. <laughs> Somebody set my water on the table. And if I begin to apply that setting to verse 2, it's telling me to set my minds. Oh! Where your head been? Where has your head been? It's been with Bubba them. It's been with your cousin them. Where was they head at? The greatest crucifixion that you will ever do, the greatest change and the greatest discipline you will ever display as a disciple, as a person pursuing the will of God is where you set your head. Some people will set their head in the middle of a trial. 
Then when you talk to them, guess what comes out? The trial. Ha! And they will describe to you the image and how they see themselves in that trial. Just talk to them long enough. I can go out of here with this. Sometimes you may be in a fight. It may look like you are going out. But my Bible says he's able to save to the, to the uttermost. I don't care how bad it looks. The image that's on the inside of me is an uttermost image. <laughs> I wish you'd have got that. <laughs> so that nothing becomes impossible to the believer. That's why you can't set your mind in dirty, dirty, dirty. Now, my Bible said, if you sow to the flesh, don't make me throw it. Yes, it did. It's, you try to act like, that ain't going to get on me. It's all over you. God said he would not be mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, whatever he put in his life. That's why when everything walked by, you look Where'd you set your mind? <laughs> Sound like to me is a choice. Sound like to me it's a choice of where your head is at. Because wherever you set it, that's who you're going to be. Wherever you said it. So, so your outcome is not somebody else's fault. Not from this day forward. No, it's where you said it at. Now, where did he say to set it at? Things above. Is that mean in the ceiling tile? That's above. Keep reading. He'll tell you where, where to be set. Come on now. Come on, let me preach over here. Y'all just watch. <laughs> it says, verse 1, if you be risen with Christ, first you have got to accept the reality that you are what? That you are risen. You got to accept the risen where? And where is he at? <laughs> Seated in heavenly places. Don't you know where people, sometimes where you sitting in a room, people can tell you important. Yes, sir. Where you sit can tell people if you're important or not. Yes, it does. People that sit in the front of the classroom, what do people say about them? They think they're smart. Yes, they do. But if you want people to thank you, you call the brown noses up there too, okay. The smart and the brown noses are together. I remember. I remember. 
It's one of the greatest regrets I have in my life. I always I teach a message and I, I make statements. Begin to live your life with no regrets. Begin to assess where you sit so you have no regrets. I was a Maplewood Panther. I was number one, not two. I was on a team that would last forever. Me and Jerry, wasn't we? I was a linebacker. You did not run up the middle. Did your brother Jerry? He was there. You didn't run up. No, 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 you know. You did not run up the middle because that's where I was. You're going to get handled. But anyway, I thought I was so cool walking through the school with that jersey on. Oh, you were somebody, wasn't you, Jerry? You put that, Jerry, you put that jersey on. They handed me that jersey in the 10th grade, and I made the varsity team. This is how we do it. And then they would set you on the stage. Wouldn't they, Jerry? Coach said, come on down, boys. They would set you on the stage. You didn't even have to be looking for no girls. You come in the classroom and just sit down with that jersey on. What's your name? No, no, I'm talking about, that's what they're asking you. I got a girlfriend in the first 30 days of school because I had on a jersey. I'm in church. I ain't lying. Right in the science class. Picking them up in the science class. We cutting frogs in date. You cut my frog. <laughs> All right, just moving in the message. But anyway, they set you up on the stage and they put on on you. It was different than sitting in the bleachers with the general public. Really, it's different. Where you sit makes a difference. The Bible says, being set at the head of the table. All of creation, all of the supernatural world knows that God sets you in heavenly places. Who almost took off running, but you wouldn't have had nobody to preach to you. Sometimes I want to shout and preach at the same time, but I see most of the church don't even believe they see it. See, if you don't understand your seat, how are you going to get the benefits of the seat? See, when I knew I was sitting on that stage, y'all got to come to me. If you want a date, you got to come over here. I ain't getting in nobody's line. And then Pastor Cynthia ran everybody out of the line. Say amen to that Pastor Cynthia. Because you was at all my games and you didn't know nothing about football. So what was your dad for? 
Anyway, praise God. We're going to have testimony service up in, in a minute. Yes, we are. Why was you there? What was you doing? What was you doing there? All right, moving right along. <laughs> I told you the Bible said, I told you what the Bible said. He said, don't stand in the way of the sinner. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. And don't take the counsel of the ungodly. Because it's all trying to produce an image. devil wants to distort your image because the image is how you will act and react. And so when you see Jesus, watch his reactions. The purpose of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is so that you can see his reactions in the earth. And then he goes on to say the works that I do. I already got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shall do also because I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to get raised up. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And I'm going to present you faultless and then I'm going to bring you up to the Father. Yeah. So if you've been risen up here, you got to even know you up there. Yeah, yeah. The greatest challenge of the child of God is not coming to church. or reading your Bible, or serving or praying. The greatest challenge of the child of God is to discipline their mind so they can take the image. Because once you take the image, then things are accelerated. And they be happening suddenly. Begin to happen suddenly. Let me look at this. He said, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth. So we, we're talking about, I need the image that matches the seat. Because where you sit comes with benefits. Where you sit comes with privileges. Where you sit comes with authority. Where you sit comes with identification. Where you sit comes with image. Where you sit comes with exposure. Where you sit, God said this, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. He's letting us know that he rules from where he's sitting. The seat is a rulership seat. The seat is a seat of authority. It's the seat of honor. When you sit in that seat, all the angels are signed. No, they're there to serve you and to honor you. So when you get up and say the angels of the Lord encamp abound about, they already know that's your job. 
They already know that's their job. But now you just told them I know too. Amen. And I will govern myself accordingly. Words come out of my mouth, mouth and behavior will act will be words that act like the angels. I'll be acting like the one in the seat. The seat comes with money. I got the man that's going to pay off the building right here. The seat comes with money. Not wages. Boy, you, I wish I'd had 10 more minutes. You didn't, you didn't go through all the scriptures I went through this morning. I got a full pastor sent. I said, this is going to be hot and heavy this morning. I ain't gave you everything I got. I'm over here on fire, man. My man, I feel it running all over me. I guess you used to sing like it, like it used to sing. It's all over me and keeping me alive. Where Christ said it, and I said, God, this scripture has I have worked it for years, and I said, I know where Christ is sitting. I know the Bible's up there. I know the Holy Ghost and the blood is up there. He said, I'm talking about where he's sitting. He's sitting in the seat of authority because he has taken on a whole new image. And what I want you to do is to capture the image of the one seated. That's what I want you to accelerate into. He said, he, it's an identity issue. I want you to set your mind on this elevated identity that is displayed in my son, Jesus. And I want my sons and daughters in the earth to display this image. And once they do, this age is over. Because if one son with this glorified image can defeat hell, death, the grave, Satan, all of his angels and demons and can do it in one day, come up out of hell. Amen. This image come up out of hell goes through the tomb, picks his body up, and then he's elevated to the highest seat of authority. He said, let this man. Come on now. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I read it this morning. Turn over here to Philippians. He said, I want this elevated, devil kicking out, devil defeating, devil stripping, Devil stomping, rich, blessed, abundant, honorable image of authority, dominion, might, and power, and majesty, and riches, and glory. I want it all in you. And it all based on where you set your head today. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a man that has found the goodly pearl. He will get rid of everything so he can live that pearl. Yes, he did. So until you see the value of the image, 
you won't go after them. You might go after another 50 cent on the dollar. You might go after another raise. You might go after another job. Thank God for all of that. You might go after a house, a new pair of shoes. You may spend three hours watching a football game. Don't help you do nothing. Might take you into depression. Depends on how much you like the team. I had turned Titans off. As soon as the ball popped in there, I was not going into depression over this. That was jacked up. Then I'm going to talk about it and move on. You know you feel the same way if you like football. If you like football. I used to live and breathe it. I did it every day. We'd practice in the morning, wouldn't we, Jerry, in the hot, blistering sun and come back and practice in the evening. I put hours into that. And all I got out of it is a song. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. We are the Panthers, the mighty, mighty. Ooh, ah. All I got is a song. We are the Maplewood Panthers. That's all I got. And, of course, Pastor said to me, but anyway. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. That's a trophy wife. You, they don't come no better than that for what I do. I said, no. If you get the mind of Christ, you're going to be saying, we are God's children, yeah. the mighty, mighty children. Yeah. Ooh, ah. ah. <laughs> Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are. So we tell them, we are the mighty, mighty children, the children of God. Amen. We got money. We got image. We got fame. We got glory. We got a great name. Yeah. We cast out devils. Yeah. We got a blessing. There's no room enough to receive it. <laughs> Ooh, ah. <laughs> no one's going to profit you. All right, Philippians, then I got to go. We over six minutes. This is the best overtime you've ever done right here. Look at verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind, you got to let it happen. It won't jump on you. You have to allow it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, man in the image of God, being in the image and likeness of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with Caleb, stand up. This is, uh, Caleb's my son. And uh, when I said this last week, I don't treat him like a boy. I don't treat him like a boy. He's got four children, I do. I don't treat him like a boy. He's a man. 
he is my equal. Because he's grown up and took on the image of a man. Jesus came to this planet as a baby. And he grew up. And the Bible said he had to increase in wisdom. And he had to, he had to accelerate. They were in wisdom and stature. And the mature into the fullness of the Son of God. And so he's equal with God because of his growth and maturity. That's why the Bible said be sincere about your growth. Don't be in the church 50 years and still stumbling over the Lord's prayer. Because you don't give yourself to the word. He, he was over at Good Pasture. Wasn't he, Brother Jerry? He's on the football. He took on a lot out of me, too. He was better than me. Better than you, too, Jerry. Say amen. <laughs> I played with you. <laughs> Caleb was out there playing one night, and the team was struggling, and they decided to give him the football. He was there, wasn't you, Jerry? He was there. Jerry was there. Caleb took the ball up the sideline. I saw the free safety coming down. I said, that's going to be a collision. That's what that's going to happen right there. And he slammed into the free safety. The crowd screamed because the free safety went straight down flat on the ground. He stepped on the free safety. Amen. He stepped on the free safety and ran the ball all the way for a touchdown. I even screamed too because I, oh my goodness. Game was over after that. I was watching my son do that. And I stood up and said, that's mine. Taught him everything he knows. Yes, I did. I want you to know that God was sitting up in heaven. God was sitting up in heaven. You can go sit down now, Caleb. And he saw his son coming right at the devil. And the devil came down from his free safety position. Yes, he did. And Jesus slammed into him and the devil went down and Jesus put his foot on him and said, I am he that was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys of hell and death and the grave. <laughs> and then it was God's plan to conform you to the image of his son. Then the devil came and hear you coming up the sideline. He ain't learned his lesson yet. And here comes Matt coming down the sideline with the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich. Amen. In the armor of God with the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Lord's girded about with truth and Matt slams into the devil. And the same works that Jesus did.
You do also, and the devil hits the ground. Matt steps on him and runs in for a touchdown. And God stands up, that is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. Because he says this, let his mind be in you. He made himself, verse 7, of no reputation. Took on the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. I want you to know that Jesus is a man. Though Jesus makes Bill Gates look like a penny pusher. There ain't nobody got money down here and press Jesus. His wealth is uncountable. And so is yours. Made himself into an instrument and been found in fashion as a man. You got to let him be a man. A man was created to carry an image. And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, what is that for us? Paul said, my old man was crucified. I let my old way of thinking die. I had to let it die so I could take on this new image. And then I get in the word and I let that image let the word about Christ dwell in you richly. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. The word highly exalted means to sit in the seat of opulence and wealth and blessing. When I looked up opulence and wealth, it means the highest level of riches that can be achieved, that's where he's sitting. And then it says, God have given, highly exalted, given a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, everything in heaven got to obey. Everything on earth got to obey. And everything under the earth has to obey him. Amen. And Jesus said, you go in my name. You use my name. Because I don't want you getting your results no more for the rest of your life. I want my image in you and my name on you producing all the results for the rest of your life. You get some help. Lift your hands to heaven.